and also mm -hmm. just in general of composting, it can get pretty smelly. Like if you have stuff that's basically sealed off with no way to like kind of blow off that smell, it's just gonna sit there and the microbes especially are just gonna start to produce like, you know, literally methane and then mm -hmm. it's not gonna smell good. Hey guys, welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-host, Michael Alcazarian. Jeff, how weird is it that I have a worm farm? I think it depends. Did you name them? And what type of governmental structure did they adopt? <laughs> uh, today's show, we're talking about Subpod, an in-garden compost system. Yeah, so... Subpod is a company that makes composters. Uh, currently, they offer two products that are above-ground composters. I should say they're kind of like above and in-ground composters, but the two products they offer are Mini and the Classic. So for this show, we'll be specifically diving into the Subpod Classic. But before we dive in, Jeff, I know you live in the Bay Area. Like I'm in Rochester, New York. We don't have composting mandated or compost pickup, but what are your composting options? Yeah, we have a composting service that's through our normal like waste management local area service so we have like a green bin that says compost on it and then we just toss all our compost scraps in there and i don't know where it goes from there so <laughs> um so that's that's my that's the extent of my uh my composting options to my knowledge and so like i guess how do you manage that is it just like a five gallon bucket that they give you that you put out or like what does it look like from like day-to-day -day managing it that? just looks like a trash can but what we do at home is we have these like compostable bags um, and then we have a bin dedicated to just composting. So we toss all of our scraps in there and then we'll take that bag just because it's easier to manage and we'll toss that into the green compost bin. The only issue with that is like, you know, those bags are obviously biodegradable. So over time they like start to become thin and they wear out and uh, they might leak a little bit. So that's been the only main issue. And obviously the compost bin itself, if it does get food and stuff in there, it can, you know, start to smell and stuff like that. So we also pay for like a separate service to come and clean our bins like once every quarter. So that's Got generally it. how we've been kind of managing not just our compost, but our waste and recycling. as well. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Like I've always wanted to compost, but like in Rochester, like it was slim pickings. Like I know like when we lived here in 2018, we actually paid for a service through our apartment complex that offered it, mm. but we ended up not doing it because it was so smelly. I mean, it was like once a week and we had our food basically just like rotting <laughs> Like, you know, like outside yeah. in a five gallon bucket. So that was a huge barrier. And like my wife, Adrian, she's like, Mike, there's no way we're doing this. It smells awful in our entire <laughs> a thousand foot square there, you know, a thousand foot square yeah. foot apartment. So I think it's really interesting that you you have bags and like, you know, I know you live in a house, so it's probably easier to manage like the smell. But I think that's one of the huge barriers for composting is that smell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just because like Anything that's really smelly, we don't toss in there. Like we just do like vegetables and like rice and like coffee grounds and like easier things to compost, I'd assume. Mm. Um, maybe like bread. So like pretty neutral foods we'll usually toss in the compost and everything else we will like, unfortunately, like throw out or put down in the garbage disposal. Nice. So let's talk about how the Subpod Classic Composter works. So at its core, you're essentially putting your food waste in and then worms turn this food into compost to fertilize your soil. Uh, their product, I think, is really cool. They ship you everything in this flat packed box and then you assemble it together. Jeff, if you saw this thing as a mechanical engineer, like you'd love it. They got this like fairly like large volume uh, thing into this like mm -hmm. one simple flat packed uh, box. Because when I actually nice. got the box, I'm like, wow, this is like much smaller than I thought. So 
kudos to the subpod team for getting it flat packed. When I purchased the subpod, I bought the uh, bundle of the subpod grow bundle, which is about mm-hmm. $325 when I bought it. It comes with their sturdy plastic composter, a metal outside container, compost aerator, and then a little gardening multi-tool, which has a Japanese name called the Hori Hori, which um, I had no idea what it was, but I got it for free. And it's really cool. It's basically like a shovel and it's a it's got a knife on it as well, as well as a ruler on it. So you can do all sorts of things when you're in the garden. You assemble this flat packed item in this plastic in-garden composter. And once you fully assemble it, rather, it's about three feet wide by two feet tall and two and a half feet deep. And it has a lid on it that you can open and close and lock it. Inside of the composter, it has a divider. So you have two separate sides. So you have like side one and just side two. It's very simple. And that way you can basically have two batches of compost going at any different time. So if you want to harvest one side of the compost, you basically stop feeding it or you stop putting compost in and the worms leave. And then you can just pick up that compost and you don't really have to worry about filtering the worms out and all of that. So I love that feature. I have actually yet to compost um, or sorry, yet to harvest my compost. Um, but I know it'll be super simple once I do. So I mentioned that it's kind of in ground and above ground, but you can either choose to put this directly into the ground. And if you do do that, it sticks out about, I want to say six to eight inches above the ground, or you can also put it above the ground if you have a raised bed garden. And so it actually, they, they market it as also like a, a stool. So you can actually have it as a seat <laughs> as you're gardening, but you're still going to have that six to eight inch, you know, of yeah, I have composter that's that's like cycling out. So mm-hmm. I want to talk about some of the core product features that differentiate Subpod from like your traditional composters um, that you might have. So because it sticks out, actually typo, and these key and these key product features are airflow, worm flow, and built-in instructions. So I like worm flow, <laughs> exactly. Um, Kudos to the marketing team, but the airflow is really important to reduce the smell. Like, as I was talking about, that was a huge barrier for me when I was apartment living and also mm-hmm. just in general of composting. It can get pretty smelly. Like, if you have stuff that's basically sealed off with no way to like kind of blow off that smell, it's just going to sit there and the microbes, especially, are just going to start to produce like, you know, literally methane and then mm-hmm. it's not going to smell good. So this actually works really well. Like my composter is outside near my, my garbage cans and I can't smell either. And I feed this, feed my composter pretty, pretty heavily during the week. I it probably put, I think it says it can handle like 30 pounds or so per week. And we like, it's just my wife and I, so we don't get nearly close to that. But mm-hmm. there's also holes designed for worm flow, as you called out, Jeff, it's an awesome <laughs> name, but these holes all throughout the composter, because once you put this into the ground, like you want to be able to attract worms to it and the food will naturally bring the worms in. So the worms have freedom to go in and out. So they'll Mm. basically self-regulate. So if you have too many worms or if you have too few worms, it'll just reach an equilibrium. So I think that's super important. And I like that it locks as well. So it's going to keep all like the critters out. Like you don't want like some raccoon to come in and just like, you know, eat everything. Exactly. (laughs) Because you're putting food out there. And so I actually forgot to put the latch on when I first got it. And I actually had a raccoon come and like take a bunch of like food out of the the compost. How did you know? Was it on camera? No, like I, um, it it, like only something with an opposable thumb, I feel like could open it Mm. up all the way. So I feel like I just knew it was a raccoon and I'm just assuming uh, it could have been a fox as well, but I don't know. And I wasn't willing to put out like a camera to, you know, (laughs) you know, to to hunt that in. And lastly, my favorite product feature that Subpod has is they have 
plastic instructions like that are screen printed or that I don't even know how, but you basically open up the composter and on the composter door is instructions. So it tells you like, Hey, step one, two, three, four, like don't put in a lot of like meat and dairy in at first, like wait until it hits like level one. And so it's Mm. really well designed, like to, to think through of like what you should be putting in there, what you shouldn't. Mm. They recommend like if it starts to smell, put something like very carbon heavy, like coconut shells or even paper um, into it. So I always make it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I always make a point to just throw in like my whole coffee filter into the composter. And so Mm -hmm. that kind of like is like a nice balance of like carbon from the paper filter and the coffee to keep everything all good. And so once you have it all set up and, you know, ready to go in the ground to get started, I actually purchased about 2000 worms from Amazon. It was like the funniest <laughs> thing that I've actually ever purchased off Amazon. I think it was like 50 bucks or 75 bucks. Worms off Amazon. <laughs> Either did I. Like I just Google searched like, you know, I, you know, I need worms.com. Not, just, that's not a real website, but maybe it is. <laughs> but yeah, Google searched worms and purchasing worms rather and Amazon came up. And so... It was really small, the package that it came in, which is really fascinating. It was about one of those like USPS, like small priority boxes. Mm-hmm. So maybe the size of like, you know, I don't even know, maybe like the size of a book basically. And the worms were tiny. Like they were, they just came with like a little bit of soil and you basically had to put water on them to like hydrate them. And then hmm. um, they came alive. Like, yeah. Well, like there was like little like air holes throughout there, but they, yeah. you know, it, it is perishable. So like. They had to ship it within two days, but they say that that's wild. But yeah, like it, it worked out, and like it basically jump started like my, my composting. So um, it, it's really interesting because like my my father in law like loved the idea, not because of composting, but because he is like getting close to retirement, and he like loves to fish. Like I love mm-hmm. to fish too; it's super relaxing. So he always spends a ton of money on worms. <laughs> so he's like, you know, like before like I go fishing, like I'll you know spend like four or five dollars at the the store just to buy like you know worms and it's like mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy so uh, for christmas we actually got him a composter so he was super excited to like have his own worm farm to not only you know do composting but to mostly great. for like, the worms so he can just reach in and and grab a bunch um Before so he goes that's crazy i didn't know so what happens when a worm dies like how and how often does that happen like do they just compost themselves like is it a self-regulated system in that manner or like i think so like i haven't like you know, read too much about the science and all. Like, I can't mm. talk about it all around Adrian, my wife, because she's like, "Like, we're growing worms, and like, I'm never ever going to put anything in the composter. Like, you have to do it. <laughs> That's your thing, yeah, exactly." But I'll, I'm like, not I'll... really wigged out by worms, luckily. So, <laughs> I think I think this is something that I could do. Although I don't live in like a, a house with a large yard and am able to put a composter out there. But I love the idea. So you mentioned before that like worms, you can also attract like local worms. So does this mean that these worms? If they were to leave the composter, would they just go out into your yard? Is that what would happen or? Yeah. I mean, so like they wouldn't necessarily go out into the yard. They would just kind of dissipate into the, into the ground. And I guess, yeah, they would go into your yard, but it's all like self-contained and it's like, it's more of just like the natural process and you just have this like dense area of food. And so the mm-hmm. worms will actually just reach a balance. Like there's like not enough food for them to, to yeah, keep reproducing. So, so. will leave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's time to leave the nest. There's no more food for us. Interesting. That's so wild to me. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And so I think both of mine are, are pretty full right now. And it's, it's, it's that weird time where like, I'm, I'm trying to, it's winter here in Rochester, New York. So it's like, you know, it was eight degrees when I, eight degrees Fahrenheit when I woke up this morning. So it was Jeez. really, you know, like there was no warm activity because sometimes you'll see the worms at the top, you know, eating, mm-hmm. which is really cool and, and crazy to see. But 
that's what that's been like my biggest concern is like hey can i keep composting in the winter and it's been like kind of like 40 degrees and it's mm-hmm. fine but when it drops lower like all activity stops so mm-hmm. that's that is one thing you have to kind of watch is like it's not kind of just throw everything in there you have to yeah. it sometimes it gets full or it's like there's just too much in there and it starts to smell like a little bit so you just kind of you like put the pump the brakes on it mm-hmm. cool yeah well that's like subpod and that's how it works like just I'll really quickly touch on the business model. It's super simple. It's just another widget-based business. They design a product, they build it, they make sure there's enough margin, keep the lights on, and the worms fed. I'll go through a really, really quick history of the product. I mean, it, it's a pretty new product. It launched in 2019 in Indiegogo after about two years of prototyping. They did obviously a good job of raising money because they're still around today. So by May of that year, they had raised 300% of their goal, which was about $350,000. And they'd backed that from about 1,600 people in 21 countries. I wasn't able to find too much more about Subpod. Like Mike mentioned, like they're, they're kind of like this one-widget business. I'm sure there's other models that are coming out. But other than that, not much fanfare, um, not too many crazy things that have happened in history. Pretty straightforward. I love it. Short and sweet. I think it's really interesting how like these businesses get started on on Kickstarter or Indiegogo and mm-hmm. those types of companies. I mean, it's like, especially with hardware companies, I know we've reviewed Juicero where it's just they started on Kickstarter, but they turned yeah. into a massive failure. Um, but yeah, I know you went through a Kickstarter recently. Like, do you have any like insight there? And like, I think it's different because we, you know, we did a board game Kickstarter. And so like people know what the end product is and it's something that is it's just the game is fun or it's not, <laughs> you know, or <laughs> yep. like we get, we get good PR. Or we don't. Whereas like sub pod, you're inventing a new thing. So it could just not work or you maybe haven't thought through all the logistics. So maybe, maybe the product works and the invention is, is solid, but like the production and distribution numbers don't add up. So it's a little bit different for us because there've been plenty of people before us that have created design and produced board games. And so we kind of knew that was a path well worn. We we're just kind of, you know, walking down the same, same path. Yeah. And I always think it's a fine line between, you know, I think Indiegogo or Kickstarter definitely has a really huge like marketing, you know, component to it where it's like, that's a good way to jumpstart and get this, you know, get awareness for your product. But I think the the Achilles heel for any Kickstarter or Indiegogo is just like underpricing your products and not realizing like the true costs of like manufacturing. And it seems like you guys had that buttoned up from like the, from, from your Kickstarter. Cool. Well, we can talk about who Subpod is for. So just a quick refresher on composting and why you might compost. I see two primary use cases, and I guess there's three, with which is if you're a fisherman that wants worms, but I feel <laughs> like that market's super small and maybe it's big. Who knows? But first, if you're a gardener, you might just want to have really high quality fertilizer around. And one of the best ways to do this is to make your own fertilizer or, or compost. I know I had a garden growing up. So did my mom as well. And that's kind of like how it passed on. So like, I love gardening and we always had like vegetables. We had tomatoes, we had peppers, we had pumpkins or some form of squash. And I remember that, you know, we kept doing tomatoes for like four or five years in a row and the tomatoes just kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I was like, whoa, like what's happening? Mm. Because I was in charge of that section of the garden. My mom's like, you have to fertilize it and you have to actually put fertilizer in it. So we went to um, actually our local wastewater treatment plant um, gave away uh, fertilizer for free, which is really interesting. Oh, cool. I'm sure yeah. most locales will do that. And we mixed in the the fertilizer in there and we got like the biggest tomatoes I've ever seen in my life. Like That's the awesome. next year, it was yeah. like, I don't even like mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. Like these like, you know, pumpkin size, not pumpkin sized tomatoes, but like, <laughs> you know, squash size, watermelon size tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was just, it was just wild. So like fertilizer is real. And 
you know, I, my wife and I just purchased a house and I, I really want to have raised bed gardens. So mm. I thought having our own composter is a nice way to make it full, full cycle. Cool. Alternatively, you might also want to reduce your environmental impact. So composting addresses this by avoiding methane. For those of you who don't know, methane is 25 to 30 times worse than CO2 as a greenhouse gas. But mm -hmm. the way that methane works is it's literally like 25 times like worse, where it's like that 20... Like, I think of it as like a thicker blanket to, that's basically keeping more heat into the atmosphere, 25 times more heat. So it's very, very bad for the environment. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really interesting too, where it's like, you know, 15% of all methane emissions globally are related to waste. So essentially all the stuff that we send to la landfills just sits there and decomposes due to bacteria. So basically what's happening is the bacteria eating this food and, and farting and producing methane. <laughs> so that's all like the, you know, the, that methane waste. And so by composting, you can avoid that. So the, the, the worms aren't creating um, as much, as much methane. They're basically, you know, eating it for food. And so there's, they're breaking it down before it turns into methane. So mm. it's a good way to do that. I haven't found a good way that this is quantified. And I think that's maybe something Subpod's missing in their platform is say, hey, by doing one pound of food per week, you're avoiding yeah. X and Y, Z amount of emissions. But it's super hard to measure and, and, and super nuanced. So I can see the, the struggles there. But I thought that was really interesting. And I think something about those two use cases of gardening and sustainability is that they're not mutually exclusive. Like, for example, I'm both super passionate about sustainability and like a casual gardener. I, I want some giant tomatoes like I had mm, yeah. <laughs> back in the day. Um, Pumpkin sized tomatoes. Yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> I'll send I'll send you some because I'll have way too many when I make them. <laughs> but looking at like the total addressable market that you know Subpod's going into, it's way bigger than I thought. Americans spend a lot on lawn and garden. I'm sure most of that just is fertilizers into the lawn to make sure you have a green lawn. But about $150 per person or $50 billion annually is spent uh, by U.S. citizens on lawn and garden. So I found that just absolutely wild um, to see. Um, and then the last thing I'll mention on sustainability is that it's definitely a huge and complex issue with, you know, food waste is like more than a third of all food that's grown in the U.S. basically just gets thrown out. And that's $408 billion worth of food, which is just wild. Like that's like 18% of U.S. farmland, 4 trillion tons of water, crazy amounts. And so uh, this creates a carbon footprint for that. So that U.S. waste is actually equivalent, actually greater than rather uh, than the entire global airline industry. And so that's Jeez. about 8% of all greenhouse gas emissions are because of wasted food. So it's not clear to me how much is that from the methane, from throwing it out, but it's one of those things to balance of like, hey, even though we're throwing out this food that might've gone bad into the composter, it's like, that's a huge shame because it took a ton of effort to create this food in the first place. And mm -hmm. so it'd be more efficient to, to eat that. Uh, but I think for, for the food waste, it's good to see in the composter. So it's uh, definitely definitely super nuanced and it's, it's definitely good to compost, but there's lots of complexity to, to unpack there. Yeah. Moving into the competitors, I think that there's not too many people that are breaking into this like, you know, do it yourself, like compost at home space that you can find definitely like composters and tumblers and stuff on Amazon and, and, and try it at your own house. But some typical alternatives are one, throwing your waste into the trash. So basically not composting <laughs> and doing what people are doing today. Two is, um, you know, the resident composting systems and services. So like I mentioned in California, we have a service that we just dump it into a bin and they take it off and do whatever with it. Three is above ground composting. And then lastly is just like tossing stuff into a 
biodegradable pile and just kind of letting nature do its thing, which maybe isn't the most efficient thing. I do want to mention here that I have started to see some tabletop composters. I think one that comes to mind is Lomi. They mm. had like recently done a Kickstarter. What I'm not sure about though is that it does require energy. So I don't know if it's like the most energy efficient or the most green method that I, I haven't looked into too much, but it does create uh, small amounts of um, of compost from like just food scraps in your house. So you know, I guess maybe it's better than nothing, but we haven't dug too much into it. Maybe we'll do another episode about Lomi in the future. Yeah, it's really interesting because I know like Subpod's next product that's going to launch in the Q2 of 2022 is like an urban Subpod where it's like mm. it's like an above ground mini composter that's on wheels that you could put on a patio in a like, oh, if cool. you had like an apartment. So it looks it looks pretty cool. It's definitely something that I'd be interested if I lived in an apartment. Um, so let's talk about our thoughts. So like I know um, I can kick this off. I am a huge Subpod fan. I'm just going to say it's. Uh, 4.7 for me. I think that might be one of the higher, if not the highest, <laughs> you know, that I, I've rated here on Product Explained. And the reason for that is just it's it's scratching those really two issues. I guess like I'm the perfect target customer, but it's yeah. th- those two use cases that I really want to have of like having, you know, compost and also trying to reduce my, car- my impact on the environment. Subpod's able to to do both of those really, really well. It's super easy to use. I love how they have the instructions. I love how they have airflow and it doesn't smell. And it's it's so simple. Like I literally put it next to my trash cans and you know, now it's just like a habit where after mm-hmm. coffee or after a banana peel, it'll all go into that. Um and even just how it came with the aerator as well. I think that's super important to make sure you can turn over the compost every once in a while. But I think for me, where I take some points off is I actually had the latch break recently. Um, oh, so okay. th- I think the plastic was a little bit too, it was too, it, w- it wasn't strong enough, like mm-hmm. right near the, the latch. So I think that's something that, that they could improve. I actually fixed it by drilling a hole and just having another one latch through, but that's the mechanical engineer in me is like just fixing things all the time. <laughs> and then also it's started to kind of like not come apart, but like the plastic that had the instructions or the rubber that had the instructions mm-hmm. fell. And so like now I use that as the worm blanket instead of having it up attached. So it, al- it almost like worked out really well that that happened because now I don't have to have worm blankets, which is a whole different thing. That's basically the cover on top. So the worms mm. like know like where to stop. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, 4.7 for me. I, I love this product and will continue to use this. And I'm definitely a big fan. I got my father-in-law one uh, for Christmas. So I'm excited to see what they have next in store. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I, I have less thoughts than you because I don't get a chance to compost as much. Um, I'm going to give it a 4.4. I'll say that like it's a little bit hard for me um, to conceptualize using this because I'm in uh, a suburban area, but I, I don't have a yard. Um, we kind of live in like a townhouse. So for me, that future iteration of the sub pod that I can put on my patio would probably net me like a 4.7 where I can use it right outside of my house. But right now it sounds like it's not very feasible for me to get the version of the subpod that you have because I can't just like there's no ground area for me to like attach it to but it does sound like a very easy thing to do once you kind of get it started it's kind of self-sufficient you can keep tossing stuff in there I'm glad to hear that the smell doesn't really build up and it's not as bad as like the other composting methods and yeah it does sound like a maybe a cleaner alternative like cleaner meaning that like less mess in the kitchen uh, from like broken compost bags and stuff like that. So that sounds like a welcome change to the service I'm using today. So yeah, for me, I'll give it a 4.4. I love it. We'll, we'll get you there someday, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> someday soon. We'll turn you to a gardener, um, prepare you for the, the apocalypse. But 
Yeah, that was fun. Those are our thoughts on Subpod. We'd love to hear from you, our audience. You know, we, we love all the recent engagement from everyone. So definitely please continue to share your thoughts. Let us know what you thought about the episode, what other episodes we should do next. You can find us on both Instagram and Twitter at ProdX Podcast. That's P-R-O-D-E-X Podcast. Yeah, and if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. And let us know what products we should review next. See you next episode.